Welcome to The Complete Musician, creativity at its core, exploring innovative musical ideas, thoughts, and techniques for the modern musician in today's society, with your hosts, James Nagus and Drew Phillips. Welcome to The Complete Musician. I'm Drew. And I'm James. We're trying something new out here at The Complete Musician. We're doing a different kind of format now uh, with our podcasts. Uh, we're going to have a one of us play host and the other kind of chime in whenever they feel like it. Because the, the last couple that we did um, seemed a little scripted. We obviously had the whole thing planned out. But um, I think this will be more fun. And hopefully it'll be a little more interesting to listen to as well. And I don't know, it's more fun for us. So And we we typically after we record think, why can't we just record like we talk? <laughs> it's a lot easier. Yeah, and also uh doing it this way, there's hopefully less editing involved. Um oops, I gave it away there was editing in the last couple uh. of episodes. <laughs> But we just don't have time for that now uh, since we're teaching all day. So hopefully this will facilitate that as well. Hopefully. So today's episode, which, uh, Drew, you had no idea what this episode is about since um, I'm preparing it. I have no idea. Uh, If you had to guess, what would you guess? Uh, Tacos. I mean, I kind of wish we were. We could have an episode on tacos. We need to do this from Taco Bell. Well, we need to get Taco Bell as a sponsor. I think they were our unofficial sponsor a couple episodes ago. We had a little blurb in there. But no, unfortunately, this is not about tacos. Darn. Any other guesses? Uh, Nope. Today's episode is, and either I'll put in a drum roll or I'll just leave me saying I'm going to put in a drum roll, recording. So today we're going to talk about recording, and it's part of being a complete musician because it's an element of music outside of just playing your instrument. And within recording, there's a lot of different applications. So we're just going to go and we're going to talk about a few of them. And the first thing that I want to talk about is the use of recording for practicing. And this is you using recording to help you practice and learn. So what are your experiences for just yourself recording yourself? Do you do it when you practice, do you listen? Oh, oh man, I record myself all the time. Uh, when I practice, I, I usually put my phone on my stand, and even with my really not so great quality iPhone speakers, when I record uh, myself like playing a video, just a little passage, I can get so much from it, and I encourage my sto- my students to as well, um, because I can learn so much about intonation time um whether or not my sound is really even uh, i use it it's a great practice technique for me is it enjoyable to listen to yourself absolutely not <laughs> it's, it's like the worst, the worst experience <laughs> to listen to myself practice but it's uh, when i record myself i try to think of it as like this is a take as if it were like recording for something important and uh it, it almost puts an added pressure because it makes you it makes you like step up to performance mode because you know you could watch it or you don't have to watch it as when you're done um you can easily delete it or you could listen to it and critique yourself and especially i think for people who are preparing for auditions where i mean you really you have one shot 
just having that little extra element of like, well, this is my take that uh, I know some people who teach in um, the, the studios they have like the red light approach. Like when the red light's on, it's time to go because uh, mm. the recorder is on. And luckily, you know, we don't record onto tape anymore. It's digital, so we can right. do extra takes. But um, yeah, I mean, for me as a practice tool, I never recorded myself when I was, uh, you know, for a long time because, well, me number neither. one, uh, the technology wasn't as portable and easy as it is today. You're old. Oh, I, I remember putting a <laughs> tape recorder behind the piano to record stuff when I was really young. I mean, that's... I've done that to you. That really dates me a little bit. <laughs> um, and then before that, I would, you know, turn on the wax cylinder and start carving that up. Wow, but, uh, you're a lot older than I thought. <laughs> You've aged well. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, but it's something, you know, recording practice that I've found recently, especially, like you said, is helpful. And I think when we play, we're not always turned having the analytical side turned on mm. uh, or at least you know many of us when, or as players we don't have that and so we really we just don't hear everything that's happening because either we perceive it differently than we hear it as a recording or we're so focused on the act of music making that the listening becomes passive and so I think engaging the listening and the analytical side is a great tool now one of the dangers is only using it as a, a negative thing like just to pick out what's going wrong that's a good point um because uh, you're right i do use it to uh to listen and prepare for final things but i do try to use those recordings to also pick out the good things i'm doing that like you said not only can your listening become passive in the in the critical manner but it also sometimes becomes passive in the things that you're doing really well um, and sometimes I've recorded and listened and thought, oh, actually, you know, this intonation isn't as bad as I thought, while also listing other things that I really need to work on. And also, like you mentioned, sometimes it's even useful just to record yourself and then not even listen to it, <laughs> but just turn on the recorder, see what happens. And um, if you don't think it'll be productive or useful to listen to it, just delete it and move on. Um, just the knowledge that it's there is... It kind of it just puts that added uh, intensity. I think, at least, it does for me um, when I rec- when I record myself when I play. I urge all my students to do it, and it's so quick and easy to pick out a two or four bar phrase of whatever you're working on, and then just kind of hitting record, listen, or excuse me, hitting record, play, stop it, and like you said, listen or not, and it gives you immediate feedback, which I love. And that's a perfect segue to the next kind of component of this, because this, this was talking about using recording uh, yourself. Uh, and the next kind of a- area is, for those of us that are teachers, how we use recording in our studios for um, useful and pedagogical applications. So I think, I mean, you mentioned a few. It's, a lot of it applies uh, how we use it ourselves to how we encourage our students to do it, but specifically in a, a lesson situation, how illuminating it can be to, you know, you, a student plays something and you ask, so, you know, what did you hear? And they go, oh, uh, I don't know. Because um, I wasn't listening. <laughs> right, and that's usually <laughs> the answer. So if you have a recorder going, I know it, uh, when we were both at Iowa, they had the Wenger uh, practice rooms that had the recording built in that when they worked, sure, they, they could be, yeah, because you can just turn it on, listen, and, of course, the student always goes, oh, I don't want to listen to that because it's, again, the negative side of things coming out but still to being able to 
just on the moment, in the moment, uh, record and then listen back immediately is a tremendously useful tool. And I've used recordings, and when I've taken lessons with you know really amazing horn players, um, I've taken recorders in and just set it and played to record the whole lesson for myself. Um, which again, I urge my students to do, even if, if not with me, with other people that I take lessons with, um, just because that person, if I, it's a great teaching kind of thing uh, and moment, I, I want to listen back and know exactly what they say so I don't forget it uh, later when I'm by myself in a practice room. And I think sometimes what our teachers tell us doesn't quite sink in in the moment, but maybe couple days or weeks or even months or years later we go listen back go oh that's what they oh, were yeah. saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right so the next part of recording here and i mean there's a lot of stuff that we could obviously talk about within even practicing and using it in the teaching application but um you know we don't want this podcast to go on too long so we're going to move right along to use of recording in your own portfolio or this is you making recordings, mm. whether it's for festivals, whether it's for a, a job application down the road, um, whether it's just for record or, you know, for yeah. whatever reason. Uh, I definitely encourage people to record yourself often. And again, this isn't just like a, I'm going to run through a practice session and that boom, done. But this is no taking a solo, taking the time to record it in a high-quality manner, you know, with a pianist or without if you don't have access. But um, what are your experiences either recording for yourself or, um, you know, either you did you wish you recorded more throughout the last couple of years or what are you doing now in that regard? Uh, I like to record every performance I do um, because, like you said, recording for your portfolio, you want as many to amass as many recordings as you can of yourself. Um, especially if one turns out to be just super fantastic, then that can be something that you use. Uh, but if not, then it's kind of a place marker to where you're playing, like your ability level at that moment. And you can see through the years all the things that you've improved on. Uh, but my experience is, like I said, I like to record every everything that I do um, as high quality as I can. Um, it's it's really useful um, for again kind of what we said knowing you know what are the things you still want to work on and how you how you think you're doing and I know we both recently went through the job application cycle for um, teaching positions collegiate teaching positions and the portfolio is a major component of that having recordings and not just having recordings but having basically Perfect, perfect recordings. recordings. They have to be in order to compete. And it's really the same thing with a lot of festivals these days, too. Recordings I have think, to be perfect. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any excuse um, for a uh, for someone to submit a recording that's not perfect. We have an infinite number of tries to, to get it right. There's just no it, reason if why. If you start early enough, you have an infinite number. It's if you wait to the last minute. That's when people can fall into trouble. Is, oh, no, I have an application due tomorrow, and I have one semi-okay recording. Am I going to submit that and not represent myself in the best light? Or should I have started months or years ago starting recording? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're right. That's that's definitely where it gets in. It kind of you get into deep water when you have that limited amount of time to, to, um, to get your recording done and get it submitted. 
Um, but you're right through the the portfolio application that we had to do to get our jobs um, we had to have very public recordings I mean I know I submitted things through YouTube of my most recent performances and that was things that they viewed as well as myself coming to play a recital and matching those recordings right because Um, they want live recordings I mean absolutely you can do a lot in the studio but you can't do really much with live performances they have to be exactly what they are and that live component, again, is why I try and record everything, every single possible live performance I've ever done is, and I ever do is to get some kind of archive version of it so that if it's whiz-bang fantastic, then it can be used. And if not, then, okay, it's just another performance and another kind of thing to file away as, you know, um, I played and here's where I am and I can get better from this. And I, I think one of the dangers just, I was thinking about it. We were talking earlier about kind of the uh, positive aspect of the recording, putting a little pressure. Yeah. But I think it can go the other way too if you don't have as many recordings and you're recording, say, your recital or something like that, saying, oh, man, i got to get a good take on this, or, oh, man, this piece is going so well. I hope I get a good flub. And then, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. That has when happened. hasn't that happened before? <laughs> It's the worst. So I think if one thing that we're kind of trying to impart here is record often as much as you can. And especially when doing recitals, I, we've already said that, you know, auditions, yeah, you have like one one take. Like you have to prove yourself to that audition committee in one iteration of whatever excerpt you're playing. But for a recital, there are so many different ways that you can have quality recordings um, or do runs to get something that you're really happy with. Um, and like, I know that I've recorded a lot of my dress rehearsals, um, for, for use. Um, if that turns out to be something better than, you know, the live performance, um, because, you know, dress rehearsals are still, that's a one-time take. Um, and it still is a performance too. Still is a performance. Um, And if nothing, it gives me, again, another run at doing whatever piece I'm going to do and whatever, uh, you know, in the moment kind of things that I'm going to feel as I'm doing it. So uh, I I record all my dress rehearsals as well. And if I can have as many recordings as possible, I have a lot more things to choose from. Okay, now we're going to take a short break and we're going to hear some words from our unofficial sponsor. Be back in a sec. Hey you, with the mouth, come here. Are you tired of offending everyone you meet? Your children cry when you smile. Do you regularly eat onions before singing in opera? Well, this is for you. Smash Mouth Mouthwash for musicians like you. Fresh bread like a punch in the mouth. Smash Mouth Mouthwash is not affiliated with anyone or anything ever and is not an official sponsor of the Complete Musician Podcast. All right, so the next component of recording and the last little segment here is the use of recording as a composer. Now, the main angle that I was thinking about this is essentially, I mean, uh, I use recordings as a composer to record demos for the clients to give them an idea of my interpretation of the piece, and I think it's useful in that regard. But I think the more interesting application is for if you're writing a piece 
especially if it's for your instrument or for yourself, is to record it. Uh, and the reason being, because oftentimes with compositions, you don't really hear how the piece sounds until you hear it played live for the first time. And so being able to listen and then analyze and critique, that's a really important part of the editing process for me. What about you? Uh, the live recording is way more informative, informative than the MIDI recording I get off of some Bailey is because, you know, the, the notation software doesn't give you anything about phrasing or interpretation or any of the little nuances that make a piece really special. But it's so accurate. Uh, uh, it's and so dead. accurate. Oh, boy. And dead inside. It has no soul. And a, a real person, when I can sit down, like you said, for, for instance, when I write something for horn and piano and I can record both parts, exactly the interpretation and style I would play it, I learn so much about the composition and what needs to be tweaked in terms of balance, in terms of the way certain notes uh, would clash with each other, um, and what kind of, like, uh, not so much, like, intonation or anything, uh, but... Um, just the way the orchestration is that sounds great on MIDI, but not so much or, you know, has a different effect than what I was intending uh, in the live performance for real people. So I don't know about you, but I find that the opposite sometimes works, too, with um, take a piece like horn and piano. There are certain things that sound clunky in MIDI or maybe it's just the lack of expression, but a lot of things tend to work musically better when it's live. Uh, same thing with horn ensemble music I've written. It's been dull in the MIDI version, but there's a certain ring and character that you get when you play it live that um, is really insightful. Yeah, I completely agree. So I think those, as a composing standpoint, those are a few things that at least I've found useful uh, for recording. Now, um, let's move on. How does one record? Well, I think you mentioned use your iPhone. I use my phone. It's like I said, the tone quality is terrible. And but most people have phones. Yeah. But they're great for instant feedback and great for taking a video to see what you look like while you're playing in case Ooh. you're doing any kind of crazy. Oh, I don't want to do something. I That's hate true, though. it. It's awful. Um, yeah. It's as good as a mirror. It just, you know, takes video. <laughs> and it's usually uh, at that really unattractive low angle. Because the worst the double chin angle. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is that what I look like when I perform? Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Ooh, I should wear a bag over my head. Um, yeah, I, I just use my phone. Instant feedback. It, it gives me everything I need to know in terms of time, um, uh, evenness of sound, intonation, uh, all those kind of things that I'm listening for. And phones, they're getting better and better and better with quality, both in video yeah. especially, and audio. Audio is still a little bit, you know, to be desired. So yeah. if you want to do something a little higher than that, there's a lot of Zoom-type recorders or Tascam that have yeah. much higher quality microphones. I think those run, you can probably get older models between, I don't know, 100 and 300 these days. I'm not yeah, sure. Um, one, uh, if you go to somewhere like... I know one of the ones I got from Best Buy or something a while ago, I got an H4 uh, Zoom. And I think when I price matched it, it was maybe 100 to $150 mm -hmm. there. So really not that bad for the quality that it gives. And you can record a long time given, you know, whatever SD card you have too. 
Yeah, I, I think I still have like upwards of 18 hours left that I could record on it. So I use it for, I think I got it two years ago and I've been using the same SD card for all of my kids' recitals since like two years ago and I've never had to change. Nice. Yeah. Well, if you needed even more room than that, I think another option is recording right onto your laptop. Now, however, I don't know if you have watched any live stream recitals that are from people's laptops. Yeah. It's kind of terrible. And I think the reason yeah. why is because the microphone system on most laptops is so not advanced. It's not good. It yeah. overloads. Yeah. It, it's always just tragic noise. Once you get that like way too loud, it just sounds like you're screaming into the microphone. So that's a an option, but it's not the best option. Now, if you have other microphones that you can plug into your computer, that's great. Now, that opens a whole series of doors um but it's also a whole bunch of problems too because when we're talking external microphones uh you're also talking about cables and mic stands and tabletop usb audio interfaces and i mean the price will really go up it could get really expensive yeah microphones you can buy a single uh microphone for eighty dollars or you know Fourteen hundred, or no, yeah. even more. I mean, it's just yeah, the sky's the limit. Yeah. So, uh, just having a phone, at least in the meantime, I think is probably the best kind of middle ground option. Yeah, pedagogically, I think just uh, you know the the fact that everyone now seems to have a smartphone and the ability, or maybe even a tablet if that has recording capability, um, the ability to put it on your stand, press record on a video play for 20 seconds, stop, listen. You really, not enough people in my experience do it. And now that I do do it a lot, I, man, just the the playing level of whatever I have to perform is skyrocketed. So the last thing I want to talk about is uh, related to recording. And it is the positive or negative use of online distribution for your recordings now the easier way of saying that is what should you and what should you not put up on say youtube Mm. i don't know about you but um i've heard some pretty bad recordings on youtube there's some really questionable music out there of things and there's some hilariously bad things that you just hope is fake (laughs) hopefully uh, I think that a general rule that I think maybe both of us try to abide by is if you don't want your name associated with it, then you probably shouldn't put it on the internet for everyone to see. Because well, once it's up there, it's up there. Forever. And maybe you'll get better as a player. Hopefully you will. But it's still going to be up there. And you don't want someone's first impression of you if they Google you to be not your absolute best really really darn close to just nailing it so i mean if you are you know recording your your friend timmy and timmy just got his first horn timmy's in fifth grade and that's endearing and that's That's kind of cute but if you're in college and you are preparing for a solo recital and you post a video of you running through something and it's just fraught full of errors but you think it's okay i would um 
Well, I guess if you think it's okay, that's probably the bigger issue. But in general, I wouldn't <laughs> do it unless it was pretty darn perfect. I think if you have to question it, don't do it. Right. So just be careful about um, how you represent yourself online. And, I mean, online presence is a whole other podcast, so we're not even going to get there yet. True. But uh, that pretty much wraps up our discussion on recording. Awesome. Do you have anything else to add? Recording is really great, and like I said, my I, I do it now a lot, and I, I try to urge my students to do it, even though they just hate it because of, you know, they have to be critical of themselves, but it really is the tool that makes you better because you can hear what you need to work on. It makes you a better player, and it makes you a better teacher by diagnosing your own problems and fixing what, um, fixing what you know needs to be worked on. And that just about does it for episode six, where we talked about recording today. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you guys listening and all your support. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and on YouTube. And if you have uh, any questions, comments, concerns, um, recipes, uh, ideas for getting camel crickets out of my basement, uh, please uh, send us a message at our Gmail, cormotohorn at gmail.com, or send us a message on YouTube. And today's saying is, I don't always listen to John Cage, but when I do, 